All right, the eighth chapter of John this morning, John chapter number eight, beginning in verse number 43. And uh, we will, uh, Lord willing, this morning we'll cover through verse number 51. And as we did in the first service, we'll just uh, cover one verse and then we'll work our way through each one of the verses this morning. John 8, verse 43, Jesus gives a very stirring question uh, regarding these uh, Jews in which he has been dealing with uh, the reality of their claim of being part of Abraham's seed. You'll recall Jesus has already dealt with them about their claim of Abraham being their father, but Jesus responded to them by saying, if Abraham were your father, uh, you would do the works of your father. And we left off in verse 42 where Jesus said, uh, if God were your father, ye would love me. Uh, it, it's, it's really a, a sad statement that Jesus here standing before these religious zealots says, in effect, you do not love me. Now, as a child of God this morning, I can't imagine that. Uh, I can't imagine uh, not loving the Lord. Now, I know I come woefully short uh, in loving God the way I should, uh, in continuing to uh, live for Him in every moment of my life. We all fall short. But the one thing that cannot be said about us who are child, children of God is we cannot say that He doesn't love us. But Jesus gives a striking question and the answer. He says in verse 43, why do ye not understand my speech? That's the question. Even because ye cannot hear my word. Christ here sets forth the fearful condition of those who do not love God. He says, you don't understand because you cannot hear my word. The word of God clearly teaches us that for those that cannot hear, it's not just hearing audibly, it is to hear with a desire to obey and a desire to trust. We might call it to not be able to hear is not being able to trust and obey the Word of God. We looked at a passage a couple weeks ago in one of our scripture support readings where we talked about the word, the seed going out and the, the, the seed finding good ground and the seed finding stony ground and how that some ground that the seed falls upon, it, doesn't, it takes root, it springs up for a while and then it disappears. But we also spoke about a seed being planted that Satan takes away. And we need to keep in mind today that Jesus is going to tell them who their father is. Remember, I told you last week, he had not yet said who their father is. But yet in our text this morning, he's going to reveal to them that their father is not Abraham. In fact, their father is Satan, or he'll refer to him as the devil. Uh, let's remember a couple of truths about Satan. Satan always prompts men to destroy themselves. Okay? Satan always prompts men to destroy themselves. Every thought that Satan attempts to plant, to plant rather, is with the intent of ruining a man's soul. So Satan's goal in life and Satan's ministry, I'm using that term and you know why I'm using that term, is not a minister of light. He's a minister of darkness. He is, above all else, the great promoter of everything false. Everything within him is a lie. 
He himself, as Jesus will show us in just a moment, he is a liar. One of Satan's greatest deceits and desires is to call evil good and to call good evil. In other words, if I can make something good and call it evil or call something good that really is evil, I have twisted the truth. I've changed the truth into a lie. Satan is the author of lies. Every liar, every lie that is told is in obedience to what Satan and who Satan is. Satan's desires are spiritually wicked. The lust of our mind, corrupt reasonings, pride, envy, murder, adultery, wrath, everything we could think of are things that the Satan would love to entice man to do. Jesus had told them, remember, the truth would set you free. Would set you free from what? From the lies and the deceptions of the devil. I've only been in full-time ministry, what we'll call full-time ministry, for about 16 years. But I will tell you this, one thing I have seen consistently running through all 16 of those years, no matter what position it's been in, whether it's been dealing with youth or it's been at the previous pastorate and then this pastorate, one of the greatest misunderstandings and one of the greatest blind spots in the Christian or the believer is the power of Satan's temptations. We don't really consider them as we should. We talk about how powerful Satan is. We talk about his, his, uh, his realness. I'll use that term. We could quote the verses that talk about he is the prince in the power of the air. We know that. Well, some know that. I saw a preacher recently post that the devil was in hell, and I thought, how can you be a preacher? The devil's not in hell. He is roaming about now. He's free. He is the prince in the power of the air. He's very real, but I don't think we understand his influence. Satan's desire is to do anything he can to keep man from hearing the word. Jesus tells these Pharisees in verse number 43, he says, You cannot hear my word. To not be able to hear, again, is to not be able to trust, not be able to obey. We might even go further and say it is unable to comprehend who is unable to comprehend and trust and obey the word of God? It is he or she who is hardened in their heart. Their heart has become hardened. What hardens a heart? A heart is, is hardened by being pride, being pride-filled. It is by being envious. It is by being jealous, by being filled with wrath and anger and malice. The hardening of the heart is man's responsibility. Man hardens his heart by obeying and doing those things which are opposite to that which is good. Now again, the, the idea that Satan made you do everything wrong, that's far-fetched. But the idea behind why we do wrong is exactly what Satan is promoting. The devil's desire is to incite wrongdoing. But Satan's not at the heart of every choice to do wrong. So Christ tells them that the proof that you are not of me, the proof that you are 
leaning or learning from the, your own father instead of God the Father is twofold. Number one, you don't love me. And number two, you cannot understand what I'm saying. Why? Because you cannot hear my word. Sin and the father of sin, the father of lies, Satan, it is a deadly disease, not just physical death, but spiritual death. Christ is, in effect, giving them the antidote. He's giving them the cure. But he's also telling them at the same time, you cannot understand me. You cannot hear my word. And here's what he says. Ye are of your father, the devil. The gospel, as we talked about in our 10 o'clock, they could hear the sound that Jesus said. They could hear his words. But they were not discerning the meaning behind what Jesus was saying. Why? Because they were blinded and hardened by their own sin nature, by their own heart. They had also been blinded by tradition, been blinded by pride. They had physical eyes that could see. They had ears they could hear. But yet, Jesus says, your big problem is you are the father, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. They are children of the devil, he says. Satan, not because Satan was their father in the sense we're talking about, but because they were bearing his image. Remember I gave an illustration last week about we resemble our fathers, earthly fathers. And I gave you the illustration of that people have told me later here in life that they've told me that I resemble my dad. I resemble my earthly father. That's the idea here. It's not that you are, pardon this word, you, he's not saying you are his spawn. He's saying you bear his image. You bear Satan's image. You do his works. You say and act and do the things that your father does. And one of those things he says is evil lusts. That evil spirit that is raging within them. That evil spirit of doing those things which are opposed to God. It talks about Satan's characteristics. Look what he says. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. You realize that the very first murder that's recorded in Scripture, Cain murdered his own brother. Now, Cain could not say... The devil made me do it, but it is the essence of the devil that instigated that, instigated that sin. What made Cain kill his own brother? Sinful lust, sinful desires. We understand that, that Satan is a murderer, that's what it says. He is a murderer. If I was to point out to you a murderer came into this building, and we know a known murderer came in, what would we do? We sure wouldn't stand and do nothing right. We wouldn't stand and say, well, no problem. A murderer has come into the building. No, we would take steps to make sure that we're not aligning ourselves or finding ourselves doing what they're doing. Yet the Bible says Satan's a murderer. Yet we sometimes allow our lives to be led by Satan instead of allowing our lives to be led by the Lord. You might say this, this morning, preacher, that's impossible. We're children of God. We can't possibly. Satan has no influence on us. Satan still has an influence on your life. 
Your old sin nature is still there. You can still be tempted to do that which is evil. You could still be tempted today to somehow, someway, call something that's good and now call it evil and call something evil that's good. It doesn't mean that now Satan is, is your father, but you're acting like he is. You're bearing image of that. He's a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth. That means he's never been in the truth. Again, what is truth? Truth is what God has declared to be. In other words, Satan has never been in God. He's never been in Christ. And we could argue today and say, well, wasn't Satan one of the created angels? And didn't he fall? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean he was in God. He was not in Christ. He's never abode or dwelled in the truth. Again, if I was to tell you, I would introduce you to an individual and say, uh, this person is a liar. He's never told the truth. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you would be inclined to listen to him? I would hope none of us. But yet when Satan lies, we believe his lies sometimes. We, we refuse to believe what the word of God said, going all the way back to the garden. What was the devil's ploy through the serpent through Eve? He used this phrase, hath God really said? The problem is that Satan knows doctrine. Satan knows the word. I told you last week, Satan is a better theologian than any one of us sitting here today. He's, he is a greater theologian than any preacher, any pastor who's ever lived, any human pastor, preacher, theologian who's ever lived. The devil could write a commentary that would be more scripturally accurate, but yet all of it is based on lies. Why? Because he takes the truth, and he twists it. Knowing the truth doesn't mean you dwell in the truth. Okay? Knowing the truth doesn't mean that you dwell in it, that you live in it. Satan knows the truth. He just doesn't dwell in it. In other words, that's not his goal, is not the truth. His goal has nothing to do with making sure the truth is preserved. It is true that unbelievers are going to hate Christ and his people. They're going to have no desire because Satan is their father and they don't want anything to do with the truth. Jesus uses another term. He says, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. We might say he's the father of every liar and he's the father of every lie that's ever been told. Satan's entire nature is false. So when Satan deceives you, what's he doing? He is acting according to what he is. Now remember, Jesus is telling these religious Jews, you are acting according to your nature. Your nature bears resemblance to your father, which is Satan. What's Jesus telling the Pharisees? You do not abide in the truth. The truth is not in you. When you speak, you're speaking a lie. You are just like your father, Satan. Now, what's Jesus doing? He's denying any spiritual claim 
of being his children. He's denying them. He's saying, you are not one of mine. Now, Jesus, again, gives a scathing accusation against them. He says in verse 45, And because I tell you the truth, ye believe not. Just as Satan is the father of lies, they reject the truth. Now, let's go back and think about what Jesus said in verse 32 and verse 36 of that same chapter. Remember what he said in verse 32. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Unless Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sets us free, we are in a desperate situation, and we are caught up in lies. Now again, I ask you at the close of the service last week to consider why is Jesus, and maybe you forgot this and that's okay, it's not gonna, I'm not going to ask you to speak out, but I ask you to consider why is Jesus dealing so harshly with this group and he dealt what appears to be so kindly with the woman who was taken in adultery. He dealt with two types of people in a different way. And before we kind of look at it and say, what is going on here? Why is Jesus being so harsh with these individuals, and yet he seemed to be so light with the woman in adultery. I would tell you this, he wasn't light with either one. Remember, he didn't tell the woman taken in adultery that she could go back to her old lifestyle. What did he tell her? He said, go and sin no more. So if you think that Jesus sent that woman away and said, listen, I'm not condemning you, and you can go live your life the way you want, and even the woman at the well, Remember the Jesus, how he dealt with the woman at the well? He said, you've, you've got five husbands. But he dealt what appeared to be kindly with her. Here you have this picture of Jesus having to set man free from the devil himself. He said, because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Let me ask you a question. When the woman taken in adultery went away from Jesus, did she believe the truth? Yes. When the woman at the well was sent away and was Jesus, she left Jesus, did she believe the truth? Yes. She believed the truth. Both of those women believed the truth. Jesus says, but you won't. Again, we look at this and we consider it and we think. He said, because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. And he says something even more interesting in verse 46. He says, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? It's an interesting phrase. Which of you convinceth me? That, that word convince, it, means, it literally means convict. Jesus is asking these religious judges, because that's what they thought they were. They thought they were the religious standard. They, he says to them, now which of you can convict me of sin? Now here's what we know about Jesus. According to the word of God, Jesus was sinless, right? Jesus had no sin. And yet he's telling them, which one of you could convict me of sin? Now again, when he dealt with the woman taken in adultery, a similar action took place. 
He told them, you, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And of course, every one of those, every one of those Pharisees kind of slinked away one by one until all that was left was Jesus and the woman. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15 about Jesus being sinless, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 7.26, again, for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. So Christ is the only suitor who can fill our greatest need, which is a need of a sinless, spotless redeemer. To be separate from sinners and to be made higher than the heavens means that Jesus himself is morally and in every point separated from sinners. And he's also lifted up above the entire world. He is above all. Jesus is not just declaring, am I not without sin? He's declaring that I am above all. Yet, which one of you would attempt to convict me of sin? What a challenge. Imagine being challenged by the Lord of glory. Convict me of sin. Now, Jesus isn't saying it this way. I'm adding this. I dare you. None of us could speak like that. None of us could look at another person and say to them, I dare you to convict me of sin. If I was to go pick any one of you and say, and walk to you and say, all right, find something to convict me that I'm a sinner in. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find it. No matter no, no matter what I think, if I, tell, if I said that to you, like Jesus, if I said, look, anybody in this congregation, I challenge you, convict me of some sin. I'm going to tell you the outcome. You would convict me. You would find something to hold me accountable for. Jesus is telling these Pharisees, as the perfect Lamb of God, you're not going to find anything in me that's sin. Now, if there's no sin in Jesus... And Satan is the father of lies. What does that make Jesus? That makes him what? The truth. You see, the truth is sinless. Jesus is sinless. He's been talking to them about the truth shall make you free. He's talking about himself. I will make you free. And then he says, as he's standing before these who were the greatest of his enemies... Those Pharisees who every time they saw him, they wanted him dead. They wanted him removed. They hated the following that he was gathering. Yet he boldly tells them, which of you could convince me of sin? It is the truth that man hates. Someone was to say, what does Satan hate more than anything? Truth. Satan hates the truth more than he hates you. When Satan attacks you, He's attacking the truth. When Satan deceives you, it's not as much an attack on you as it is an attack on the truth. If you are in Christ, you are proclaiming the truth. Satan hates churches that proclaim the truth. 
He loves the churches that don't stand for the truth. The truth-standing churches are becoming fewer and fewer and fewer. Why? Because most are believing the lies of the devil. They're believing that in order this, God doesn't really mean this, God doesn't really mean this, God's lightening up about this. And just like I said, one of the greatest lies permeating churches today is the God of the Old Testament was a God of wrath. That God doesn't exist anymore. The New Testament is freedom in God. Do what you want. No. When you make a God that's no longer this God over here and you say he's some kind of a different God, the truth will be twisted. These Pharisees had no intent of ever believing the truth. There's no greater display of the depravity of man than his hatred of the truth. If you show, show me a person that hates the truth and I'll show you a person that hates God. You know, you can ask people today, let me to tell you the truth, and they say no. Why? Because they don't want God. The only thing that is true in this world is Jesus Christ. The only truth is God. Yet what is man running away from more than anything right now? He's running away from the truth. You want to disperse a crowd? Preach Christ. Preach Christ. Preach the truth. You want to you see what stars, uh, stirs the greatest debate you'll see? Watch a man stand on the street corner. Open air preach Christ. Watch what happens. You will find that every sort of enemy will come at that man. Now, what's that man guilty of? At the heart of it, what's he guilty of? Preaching truth. Now, I will tell you, I've listened to some open-air preachers that the problem is is they're kind of presented in a really hateful manner, almost like they're trying to stir a debate. But if you stand up and you read the Word of God and you preach the truth and you, you call people to repentance, you're giving them the truth. What are they going to do? Many are going to hate that. Why? Satan is the great deceiver. He hates the truth. He desires to destroy the truth. But then look what Jesus says in verse 47. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. Who are those that hear God's words? They are those that belong to God. We've looked at this over the number of weeks we've been in the book of John. Remember John 6.37 said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 19. If you want to turn there, 2 Timothy 2, verse number 19. Jesus is speaking of those that are in God and hear his words. The Bible says, uh, verse 19, 2 Timothy 2, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, or depart from what? From sin. You see, believers, after they've come to Christ, they are to purge themselves of iniquity. They are purge themselves of sin. What that shows us is that they apparently belong to God. Remember what Jesus accused them of. If you were of me, you would act like me. But instead, 
you bear witness to your father, which is Satan. And then we have one other verse in John 17, 9. Back in our, the book of John, John 17, 9 tells us this. Jesus' words, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Now, is this a true statement? Christ rules over all mankind. Is that a true statement? Yes. He rules over all mankind. The prophets, the preachers, they're calling all people to hear, that hear the gospel to faith. Jesus, as a prophet, is calling all people to hear the gospel to faith. Jesus, as a priest, is praying exclusively for God's people. And Jesus, and here John 17, 9, is also praying for those that have been given to him and entrusted to him by the Father for salvation them which thou hast given me. Jesus says, you don't hear me because you're not of God. Now I can simplify this today and it may not sit well. But here's the truth. The reason the Jews didn't believe him, this group of Jews did not believe him because they were not God's children. Now again, we could talk a lot today about why not. Why don't they believe? Why are they not God's children? But notice how they respond back in our text in John 8, 48. Then answered the Jews. Now here's their response to everything God has said, everything Christ has just said. He has laid it out. He has said, and again, remember who's saying this. There are people today that say, I think that the Jesus of the New Testament is gentle, is kind, is always very uh, mellow. These are anything but mellow, gentle words. These are Jesus literally saying, your father is the devil. Now again, some people would see this and say, well, that doesn't seem to be the Jesus I want. That sounds a whole lot like the Old Testament God who was saying, if you continue to worship false gods, I will cast you out. Here's Jesus in the New Testament using the same language that the God of the Old Testament would use. Here's how they respond to the truth. Then answered the Jews and saith unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? This is interesting. To call Christ a Samaritan was an insult. Remember what the Jews thought about the Samaritans. Remember what Jesus said, and I, I can't remember the actual gospel it's in, but he said, I must needs go through Samaria. They're insulting Jesus by saying, not only are you a Samaritan, but they say, you have a devil. This, the, the, the English wording here, it's, it's, we wouldn't talk this way today, but what they're saying is they said unto him, it, it, would it be right for us to say that you're a Samaritan and you have a devil? That's what they're saying. 
So they responded Jesus' words of truth by saying, it would be fair for us to say this. You're a Samaritan and you have a devil. Jesus has just now told them, I challenge you to convince me of sin. Convict me of sin. And their response to Jesus was, I think you're a Samaritan. I think you have a devil. One of the greatest ploys of the devil and one of the greatest ploys of Satan is when you cannot answer a question of the truth, insult your enemy. In other words, Jesus asked a question they had no answer for. So instead of trying to answer the question, guess what they do? They insulted him. They attacked him because they considered Jesus their enemy. So before we sit and look at this and say, why is Jesus being so harsh with these individuals? Look how they're responding. And this is not the first time this same group of Jews and Pharisees has attacked Jesus. So we understand here, there's always a tactic of Satan inside of those who are Satan's children. When you can't overthrow the truth, attack the truth. When you can't overthrow the truth, attack those who believe the truth. You realize every time you're under attack as a child of God, what the attempt is. What is the attempt? It can't be overthrown, so Satan's tactic is to try to dissuade you and just enter in just a little seed of doubt that the truth is not the whole truth. Is everybody following me? That's, that's how Satan works. Folks, I can tell you, and I've mentioned this before, over 16 years, I can almost tell you that every single problem, if it's not a medical issue, Okay, if somebody wants to deal with a medical issue, goes back to this exact problem. Believing Satan over the truth. You would not believe, and I would never, I would never even disclose what people have told me, but you would not believe what people convince themselves of. That is a clear tactic that the devil uses. And you tell them, you know what, I think this is the work of the devil. This is the work of Satan. Not that he's to be blamed, but you're believing something that God has not said or you're failing to believe Christ as the source of truth. Folks, we say here today, we sit here today and we say, listen, I'm in Christ. I don't have to worry about Satan anymore. You're making a grave error to think that you are still not up to deception. Remember, I, can told, I told you, you can know the truth and still be deceived by something that's not the truth. And I'm telling you right now that the greatest problem facing believers today is the tactics of the devil that are being used by his children to try to move you off the truth. Now, again, when you hear me say, don't blame the devil for everything, all I'm telling you is, is I'm not telling you he's not behind ultimately sin and not ultimately behind deception, but I'm telling you often it's not what he's doing directly. It's the tactics that we're falling for. When you wake up tomorrow, and prayerfully you don't, when you wake up tomorrow hopeless, that's a tactic of the devil. When you wake up this morning in despondency and you say, I have nothing worth living for, that's a tactic of the devil. 
When you wake up tomorrow and you say, listen, my church isn't good enough, my spouse isn't good enough, my children aren't good enough, my job's not good enough, these are all tactics of the devil. We go from blessing and praising God on Sunday to Monday morning, we mope as if we have nothing to be thankful for because we believe the lies. Folks, this is what this is all about. Life's problems, again, there are things that happen. But I'm telling you, most of what we go through is not something that's out of our control. It is something that we are believing the lies of Satan instead of believing the truth in Christ. It happens to me weekly. Sometimes daily. Sometimes there are weeks that I am literally, I have to keep telling myself, why am I believing and falling for these tactics? This is straight from what the devil wants me to do. Now, when Jesus calls these Pharisees the father, they're devil. Listen, he's, he, is, he is lobbying accusations, but he is, he is God, sinless. So if Jesus calls them this, I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to say he has no right to call these Pharisees children of the devil. He's God. He can call it as it is, right? But what about my own life? What about my own situation? Yes, I may be in God. I may have been saved by the glorious gospel of Christ. But how do I let the devil's tactics get me? Look what he says in verse 49. Jesus answered, I have not a devil. But I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. What brilliance Christ speaks this with. He promises even them, he promises even to them the, the, the truth that if you will live and accept, we'll see this in just a minute, and, and will believe God, you can be a partaker of an eternal life without end. Let's read on. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he's speaking directly to them, if a man keep my saying, including you who are hurling accusations at me, he shall never see death. Jesus says, if you will keep my sayings, you shall live forever. Some might even say, isn't Jesus taking so much abuse? Isn't he compromising himself by offering eternal life to those that are so hated, or those that hate him so much? Listen, I'm not going to argue with Christ's wisdom here. I'm not going to look at this and say, oh, that's not the way I'd have done it. Christ's wisdom was to call them as they were. He said, you are the, your father is the devil. There's no truth in him. There's no truth in you. But here it is. If you will keep this saying, even you will not see death. Now, I'd love to tell you that next week that they say, Lord Jesus, we love you. A little bit of preview shows us that's not the case. Literally, their next words out of their mouth after Jesus invites them to believe on him is this. Now we know thou hast a devil. 
Again, I ask you, how did, what's the difference in how Jesus dealt with these people and how he dealt with the two women, the woman caught in adultery, the woman caught in adultery, and the woman at the well? You should see the answer. If any man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Christ gives eternal life now. You've heard me say this. I don't claim ownership to it. Eternal life is a present possession right now. Eternal life is not something you get when you die. Eternal life now means that when you do die, your death will not be an experience filled with divine judgment. In other words, being a child of God knows I will not face the divine judgment of God. You know what Christ really has done here? By his response, and we'll see this next week, Christ puts a gospel promise and answers his critics at the very same time. He says, listen, you're wrong. You're of your father, the devil, but here's a gospel promise and I'm giving it to you. This statement, literally, we know that this statement that Jesus makes in verse 51 as we get into verse 52 next week is going to stagger them for a moment. Is it the truth? Absolutely. Are they going to respond to the truth? Sadly, no. To a believer today, this promise of eternal life in Christ, it's not death to die, one man said. I don't know who said it, but he's right. He said this, it's not death to die. They simply pass out of this world into a more glorious life. I have no idea who's the author of that. I came across it. They don't descend in death. They rise in immortality. For the child of God who is in Christ, we've heard the word. We know the word. We know the truth. The truth has set us free. The Pharisees here, on the other hand, cannot hear the word, won't hear the word, have hardened their hearts, that even when a glorious gospel invitation is given, they respond by saying, I think he who claims to be the truth as a devil. There are literally people in this world today who think Jesus himself is not the truth, but that he's the lie. Imagine that. No child of God would ever consider Jesus Christ to have ever told a single lie. Christ has never lied to you. If you have woke up one day and you say, this is not the life Jesus promised me. Jesus never promised you that. He never promised you ease. And by the way, he never promised to not give you more than you can handle. The greatest Christian cliche of all time is that God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not exactly true. I do know this. There's going to be a lot of things in life you're not going to be able to handle apart from God. He doesn't want us to handle it. He wants us to hold on and grab onto the truth and say, this is the truth, not what the devil's feeding me. And folks, that is, that is 99% of your battle right there, is believing God and, and completely putting aside what Satan tries to say. It's caused more problems with believers than anything else. They'll say, no, my problems are my circumstances. No, your problem is, is you keep believing the devil instead of believing God. Because guess what? There are going to be bad circumstances. If you don't have bad circumstances now, you're going to have them eventually. You know, it's always been said, you're either what? You're either in a storm 
coming out of a storm or getting ready to go into one. That's life. I wish I had a better message, but that's the truth. But guess who's going to be in the storm? Not just so the ship gets there safely, but so that Christ is glorified in it. You see, Jesus, sometimes the truth of what God has to say staggers us. These Jews heard his words, but they didn't hear it. They couldn't hear it, understand the spiritual meaning of it. Why? Because they had been blinded, deafened by their own nature of sin, their tradition, their pride, their prejudice. They rejected Christ and they rejected the gospel of redemption. Jesus set forth a promise that they said no. We think you're the devil instead. Jesus' words could not have been more clear than what he said in verses 43 and 47. You cannot hear my word because you are not of God. Listen, I don't claim to understand all of God's wisdom, and I don't claim to understand why Jesus did this and why Jesus did that. There's a lot of debates, but I do know this. I believe in a sovereign God who is in control, and if his wisdom says this is what needs to be said, then he has every authority to say it. And by the way, Jesus' authority is not always my authority. I don't always have the right to speak as Jesus spoke just because Jesus spoke that way. Remember, I can't speak with the kind of authority that says, listen, convince me of sin because I already know I fail. But Jesus' authority, when he says, this is what you are, I can take it and say that's what he says. Next week, we'll look further at this. But I want you to think about how Christ doesn't hold back saying those things that are hard to be heard. He's warning. Jesus is warning today. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Don't be a child of Satan. Don't be an image bearer of he which is a murderer and a liar and has always been so. Why in the world would Jesus say such things to religious people? It's what they were, the religious people. It's all about submitting yourself to what God says. What does God say? Do I believe God more than I believe the lies of Satan? As a child of God, always believe the truth.